everyone. I'm Sinhara, and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but is specifically dedicated to Black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men. You guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with poet and teacher Brittany Rogers about the impact of secondary infertility. What is secondary infertility? Before I join Brittany into the conversation, I wanted to uh, briefly talk about um, secondary infertility. So for anyone listening who does not know what secondary infertility is, it is the inability to carry or to become pregnant um, after previously giving birth to a baby. Um, So that's different from primary infertility, which is, you know, couples who after a year of trying um, unsuccessfully um, cannot conceive. So again, secondary infertility is the inability to become pregnant or to carry a baby to full term after previously giving birth to a child. Um, and so there are a lot of couples who, who um, suffer with secondary infertility. And so Brittany is going to share her story of how things ended up shaping up for her and her husband after deciding they wanted to expand their family. Love, life, and baby fever. So let's talk about marriage, husband, um, you know, you have two babies and now you guys are planning and wanting to have a third baby. You're both working, you're artists, and just talk about that, how life was just flowing, you know, things were good. Talk about that a little bit. And then you decide, okay, I want to have a third baby. Yeah, so it was all pretty much going well until I got the baby fever. And not that it's not going well now, but it was going really well. We had a child who was 11, our daughter, and then we have our son who is about four at the time. So two kids who were fairly independent. Um, We were out of diapers. My son was on his way to pre-K, so we were done with daycare. And as artists, both me and my husband have really rigorous schedules, so I teach um, for a living and then I do poetry. I write um, in grad school. My husband works for two nonprofits. So we're literally always on the go, um, whether at a poetry slam or some type of reading or running a workshop. And we had just really reached the point where our kids were old enough to, you know, they could tag along with us. And we didn't have to worry that they were going to start crying in the middle of a reading or somebody was going to have to go home because the baby did this or the baby did that. So we actually were in a really really well-balanced place, both in our marriage and with our, like, family journey at that point. Um, And again, then I got baby fever and it wrecked all that. Desire to grow. So you go on and you guys are ready to have baby number three. Um, so let's jump into that a little bit. Cause I'm sure like most people, you don't expect to run into any issues. So let's just talk about that. How did you guys, you started to plan for baby number three, and then you realized that it wasn't going to be as easy to carry the full term. Yeah, that was, that was really hard for me. That realization, um, both of my first two children 
pretty much like the second we decided we wanted to have babies. I came off birth control. I got pregnant. We carried all was well, um, which I realized was really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think I gave it a second thought once we decided that we wanted to have baby number three. It was like, obviously, we'll just have baby number three. Yeah. And then I started having a lot of really weird kind of troubles with my cycle to where it mm-hmm. would seem like I was experiencing some pregnancy symptoms and then I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second month that that happened, it happened two months in a row. And I mean, very uh, exaggerated pregnancy symptoms, things that only happen to me when I'm pregnant. But by the mm-hmm. time I take a test, the test is negative. So I think I was yeah. very confused with my body. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. the second month that that happened, I ended up having to go to the hospital because the pregnancy test that I took at home was like malfunctioning or something. It, did, it didn't work. So wow. they did a pregnancy test there. They confirmed that I was pregnant. I was very, mm-hmm. very excited. Yeah. And then a few months later, I started, I mean, a few, it couldn't have even been like a few full weeks later, I started spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went back, then the test was negative and mm. the nurse is like, yeah, it's probably, you know, what's been happening to you the last, it's probably oh what happened last month. It sounds like a very specific pattern. I think that's when I realized like, oh, something's, Wrong. you know, something's the matter and something's yeah. been the matter for a little bit. Yeah. So I think in some ways it was hard, but then in other ways it was almost a relief because I'm like, okay, I knew that something was going on. And I started, like, I was thinking that I was making up stuff in my head, but now I'm like, okay, yeah. there's something actually going on. And did your doctor offer any advice? Did you talk to anyone about it, like any of your friends? Um, Because sometimes it's hard, you know, you don't know who's experiencing the same things you're experiencing. So like on a medical level, did your doctor share anything with you or did you share this with any of your friends? Um, It was very difficult, actually, because most of my friends don't have children. Yeah. So I felt like this very heavy, like odd sort of grief that I felt like I couldn't really articulate. And then the doctor who I was seeing wasn't my regular doctor. So they were very unhelpful. The first time the lady was just kind of like, I'm sure you're pregnant. You sound pregnant. You're 33. You know if you're pregnant or not. So it'll show up at some point. And I'm like, I I thought that I was, ma'am. This is not helpful. (laughs) And when they actually confirmed the miscarriage and then told me that they thought that it was a miscarriage the month before as well, the doctor was a male and he just told me that I could try again when I was ready to stop crying. And I was like, wow. I don't think this is very, I don't think this is what your bedside manner is supposed to be like. Um, And the nurse actually ended up being more helpful. She came in and saw me crying and gave me a hug and was like, you know, a lot of people try again and it works out just fine. So that was, yeah, it was a very lonely time, I think. Hmm. Don't want to try again. So getting over that hump, you know, you realize that, okay, well, this pregnancy, trying for a third baby, it's not shaping out the way I planned for it to shape out. You know, I'm not carrying to full term for whatever reason. Um, how did you overcome that? Because just naturally going through that process, and I know other women who have miscarried, you know, it brings on sadness, you know, it brings on depression, which can bring on more stress in your body. Um, so how did you overcome that to eventually get to a pregnancy that you were able to carry to full term? Um, it was the depression part of it was definitely tough. Um, I was really, really grieving for a while. I do go to therapy, which 
I'm an advocate for. And she kind of helped me process some of those emotions. I think I felt like betrayed by my body. I yeah. felt kind of betrayed by medicine. Um, it, a lot of things. I did. I was on an anxiety med that I stopped taking because I was curious as to whether or not that was impeding my ability to, you know, carry for a term. Wow. And got back into like just trying to work out and trying to do things that I could stay focused on that weren't having a baby. I think that was really important for me because we were trying and we were trying and we were trying and we were trying. And I'm a teacher, so I was also trying to get the timing just right. And then yeah. I had at some point to be like, okay, well, just whatever happens will just have to happen. And I have to focus on something different because this is not, this is not good for my mental health. Yeah. So you guys throughout this process, was there ever a time you guys took a break from trying or were you just kind of like consistent trying to work into your schedule? Let's make this work. I want to have this baby. <laughs> yeah. After the miscarriage, we took a break. So maybe October, um, I was like, don't, don't talk to me about a baby. <laughs> don't look yeah. like you want a baby. Don't, I don't want to hear anything about a baby. <laughs> yeah. And, I think that made my husband kind of sad because, again, he wasn't initially extra on board. But then once he got on board with the idea, he was really on board with the idea. So I just I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it. And then I think maybe around right around New Year's, like a couple of days before New Year's, I was like, okay, well, I would be open to the idea of trying again. Um, any month but January is what I said. (laughs) And lo and behold, January is the month that I got pregnant. Terrified Overcomer. So you get pregnant, um, you know, after all this turmoil. And what was that experience like? Um, Did you take a test at home? Did you go back to your doctor? Um, At this point, did you share with any of your friends when you realized you were pregnant? Were you more cautious because of, you know, how things happened in the past? Oh, I was terrified. I think it took me like two or so weeks after I missed my period to even take a test. Because Mm -hmm. by that point, I was like, every time I think I'm pregnant or, you know, I was pregnant and then now I'm not anymore. I think I was just really afraid for that to happen. So I, again, it took me several weeks to finally take a test. And then that was positive. I went to the doctor after that at my eight weeks. Um, And then I don't think I told anyone outside of my immediate circle. I was like 25 weeks pregnant. It was really, it was well into my pregnancy. Yeah. 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 Wow. And then, so you're pregnant, you tell people at 25 weeks. Um, I know I saw your, your beautiful maternity photos, but people shocked when you shared that you were pregnant because you hadn't like really displayed it or like really talked about it. Um, And did you ever share with anyone after, you know, you achieved this pregnancy, did you ever share with anyone what you had gone through? Um, People were definitely surprised, especially because, you know, things shut down in March. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by the time I told people I was pregnant, it was like June or something, you know, so no one had seen me <laughs> for so yeah. long. And they're like, where did this come from? <laughs> um, I don't, I haven't explicitly mentioned a miscarriage, which is something that I want to work on more because I think yeah. we don't talk about it and especially mm-hmm. like black women. And I think that was part of what felt so alienating was to feel like this is only happening to me. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but it was just still really hard to articulate. Like even by the time I had him, I think mm-hmm. I posted like in my initial post about him that he was my rainbow baby, but it's not something that I've ever gone into deeper conversation about. Yeah. And and have you written about it 
Like, have you written any poems about it or anything? Um, because I'm going to make sure you give your Instagram handle and all that stuff. Like, Brittany is an amazing, amazing poet. Like, oh, you have to put her up you. on YouTube. Her stuff is fire. Um, <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> have you written anything about this or, like, you know, even performing this, you know, the the trials you went through? Have you tried to sit down and put it to pen, you know, put pen to paper? Ah, I feel like the Lord is at my neck right now. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wrote two very short poems that like alluded to a miscarriage. I think one's title is um, non-viable because that was the terminology they gave me and kind of was like, you know, again, go home. And when you stop crying and you're ready to be okay, you can just try again. And I'm like, that's wow. terrible medical advice. Um, yeah. but So I haven't written anything substantial about it. I think I was... To be honest, I think I was so scared the entire pregnancy and even like after the birth that it's really taken just long to just be able to acknowledge like, okay, well, I carried the term. He's yeah. healthy and I'm healthy and now I can kind of relax a little bit. I think it was almost like I was tense the whole pregnancy. Yeah. And then we had some complications and mm. then there was a global pandemic. So the combination yeah. of all of that, I just was like, I'm not saying anything about anything until he gets yeah. here. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so maybe now I'm more in a better space to actually write about it and talk about it. Advice and tips. And then what advice would you have for other women, other couples who, you know, may or may not have children yet, or they could be experiencing, you know, secondary infertility, like what you went through? Like, what advice do you have for them to get to the other side you know, of that hump, you know, when they're going through that trauma and feeling like you can't talk to anybody, you can't share what's going on, you know, how, how did you deal with that internally? Um, I would, well, it's difficult, but I would say really lean into your village mm -hmm. because that's what kept me going. <laughs> My best friend, Ajane, I would call her and just sit on the phone and just cry. She does not have any children. <laughs> and she yeah. said, okay, we could just, you know, we can cry if you want to cry. If you're going to pretend like you're not crying, we can do that. Um, you know, they tried to get me out of the house. Yeah. Um, my husband was a great resource, you know, because I think that in some ways as a couple, you can feel, sometimes it can be like alienating. So you don't want to talk to the other person about what you're going through, but we tried to really fight that. Um, because, you know, in the same way that I was grieving, he was grieving a different way. And then yeah. there was a little while where I felt like he wasn't sad because he wasn't talking about it. And he was like, oh, no, mm -hmm. I feel horrible. But I just don't think, I don't think that compares to how you feel because I wasn't the one, like, carrying the baby. So after that, we yeah. tried to be more transparent with our feelings with each other. And yeah. then also, I think it really helped to know that I wasn't the only one. Even though I felt like I couldn't mm -hmm. talk to people about it, I started trying mm -hmm. to re research more on infertility and research mm -hmm. more on, like, you know, miscarriages, especially after, you know, pregnancies have already happened and I realized how common it was. Yeah. Um, and so it made me less upset with myself and less upset with my body. And I just had to really trust that, you know, the baby that I wanted was going to come and I wanted the baby to come to me healthy and whole. Um, you know, so I was willing to wait for that process. I'm Sanhara Eastman, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast.
You can stay connected with this movement on my website, Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please show my mailing list at blackgirlsguidefertility.com and on sanharaeastman.com. And please be sure to check out the first two episodes of my web series that's currently on YouTube.